Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Ashley LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody, and welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. I appreciate that you uh, downloaded this week's episode and tuned in from wherever you get your podcast from. It's one of the last episodes of Season 18, as Season 19 starts in August, mid-August. Uh, but we go right to the end of July and uh, then a couple of weeks off. And back in time for the uh, opening of training camps in the CHL and the uh, CJHL and uh, other junior hockey leagues that we cover here on the program. Of course, the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, underway in August and uh, U20 camps looking ahead to the World Junior Championship. So August is a pretty busy month. Uh, July, really the only one that we consider the off season, And that is where we are now. I have a couple of guests on this week's episode, but first some news and notes and a reminder, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by the best beef jerky on the face of the planet. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. Based in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and a kiosk in West Edmonton Mall, you can go to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. It's W-I-L-H-A-U-K. So it's not like the bird. wilhockbeefjerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Absolutely delicious. Cannot possibly recommend it higher, as it is definitely the best beef jerky I've ever had. No question. Three pretty significant news items to pass your way. First off, it's sort of a recap of the CHL import draft, as all 60 teams had the opportunity to make two selections. A lot of teams only made one because they still have a guy... Uh, on their uh, active roster, an import player. A few teams made uh, a couple of picks to completely restock the shelves of import players. A nice little companion piece here from uh, Stephen Ellis to go with the import draft as he's sort of recapped and picked out some of the uh, the bigger name players, in his opinion, uh, that were taken, including uh, Adam Juracek, who was uh, drafted by the Brantford Bulldogs. It's going to take me a little while to... Uh, Get used to saying that, as uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs have relocated to Brantford. But Adam Yerchek was taken 19th overall by the Bulldogs. And yes, he is the younger brother of Adam Yerchek. Is it a guarantee that he comes over? No. But that would be good, probably for him and for the CHL. There were four Norwegians uh, drafted 
a couple by WHL teams in Casper Haugen Evanson, who went to uh, Victoria, ninth overall. Steen Solberg, who uh, was chosen by the Regina Pats in uh, the second round. Sandra Wold goes to the Gatineau Olympics, also in the second round, but the one that Stephen picked out was uh, Michael Bransig Nygaard, who goes to the Barry Colts with the 49th pick. Stephen also uh, singled out Adam Jekko, who was uh, chosen the uh, first pick in the WHL portion of the import draft, the Edmonton Oil Kings with that selection. Uh, they take Adam Jekko, who is from Czechia, but has been playing in Finland for the last couple of years, mostly with the U18 squad in uh, Tapra, where he had 47 points in 37 games. 21 of those were goals. Big kid. Listed at six foot three and 187 pounds, so pretty easy to picture him as you know like 200 pounds this coming season. And uh, the Oil Kings tweeted out a, a highlight reel so fans could get a glimpse of him. Jacko, according to Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff, says it's uh, it seems likely being chosen so high that he'll report to the Oil Kings, and I would expect that as well. He says, what a treat for fans out there that would be. Jacko made his first real impact at the Holinka Gretzky Cup in 2021, even if the points didn't seem to follow. He struggled back, uh, he says back home in Finland. I guess that's not where Jacko's from, but that's where he was playing. He was too good for the Finnish U18 league, but uh, couldn't crack Tapra's U20 team. He says a move to the WHL would be worth it for Jacko. Should also note it might actually be pronounced Yako and not Jacko, I tried to confirm that, but uh, wasn't able to in time for recording. Some of the other names that Stephen Ellis has picked out is uh, Daniel Ustinkov of the London Knights. And I think there are a couple of teams, whoever they take, you're automatically looking for, like, who does London take? I would suggest out of the WHL is probably a team like Portland. Uh, Definitely Halifax. The Kitchener Rangers, another club that's had success with import players. The Kelowna Rockets. Kelowna taking uh, Jakob Stencil out of the Czech Republic, or Czechia as well. Uh, London choosing uh, Daniel Ustinkov, who sounds Russian, but he's actually got a a Swiss flag next to his name on Elite Prospects. Perhaps, yeah, it looks like he's got dual citizenship, but has been in Switzerland uh, for most of his playing uh, history over the last few years. Uh, But who did Halifax take? They took Yannick Ponzetto also from Switzerland, and they've had a lot of success with Swiss players over the years, and uh, Ponzetto's got some interesting stats. He's listed at six foot one and 165-ish pounds, but he had 52 points in 34 games last year at the U-17 level. So it looks, at least on paper, like Halifax doing pretty well again with the import draft. The Calgary Hitman took Axel Hertig, who was drafted by the Calgary Flames. So that's an interesting connection. We'll see if uh, he ends up coming over or if he's, according to Elite Prospects, he's expected to be playing for the same program that he was in in Sweden this past year, although moving up, I guess he was at the J20 level for Roglu last year as well. Remember goaltender Cristobal Ue? Well, his son was drafted by the Regina Pats, also a goaltender. So do the Pats get a uh, new import goaltender with some uh, NHL bloodlines? Well, perhaps they do. The Wenatchee Wild, formerly the Winnipeg Ice, had the last two picks in each round, or the last pick in each round. Uh, they took Kenta Isogi, who's uh, originally from Japan, but played in the USHL and has for the last three years, all with the Youngstown Phantoms and uh, Rogers Bukarts out of uh, Latvia. The, he was the final player taken in the import draft. 
How about the Kitchen Rangers swinging for the fence with their second-round pick, choosing Finnish defenseman Aaron Kibiharyu, who is expected to go very high in uh, the NHL draft. That would be the uh, 2024 NHL draft. A lot of people considering him a top-10 pick. Now, that's a swing for the fence. That's You know what? It's our second pick. Who knows? We'll just take him and see where it goes. Maybe he doesn't come this year, but maybe he comes the year after, after he's drafted and the NHL team would like him to come over and get some North American experience. Who knows? That's that's planning ahead for the future and swinging for the fence. You can find Stephen Ellis on Twitter at SLSHockey, and his stuff is at dailyfaceoff.com, and that's where you can find his breakdown of the CHL import draft. There are some other players uh, that he mentioned there that I didn't touch on, like uh, like Stan Swozel's uh, little brother, David, being uh, chosen by the Oshawa Generals. Lucas Crawl, who goes to the Spokane Chiefs, putting up uh, big numbers where he was. Uh, so check that out when you have time. Also this week, the Arizona State Sun Devils have uh, been approved to join the NCHC at the Division One level. So they are going to move into the conference that includes the likes of North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth and Denver and Colorado College and so on. Really strong conference. A lot of people would consider that to be the best conference in the NCAA. Now, that won't be this coming season, but the year after. So the uh, that conference will jump up to nine teams. Some talk about how maybe Miami is on the way out or that they'll bring in a 10th team just to keep it an even number. Don't know who that team would be, uh, but I think that's really great for Arizona State and for the conference as well. And lastly, it was announced uh, the day of the NHL draft, but Tennessee State is uh, starting up a hockey program, and they are hoping that that will eventually lead to Division One hockey. Now, the reason this is uh, important, and I'm just going to read it straight from College Hockey News, where they say normally there wouldn't be much hype for a school starting a club program, but it is historic that an HBCU university is starting and with a clear goal in mind for an NCAA Division I program, both men's and women's. Now, if you're not familiar with what HBCU means, that stands for Historically Black College or University. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is a concept I'm not sure I quite understand either. I'm assuming it means that most of the people who uh, enroll as uh, students there happen to be black. I didn't know that was a thing. And maybe that's uh, just me being a a white Canadian who has very little experience in that part of the world. But I I didn't know that was a thing. Does Canada have colleges like that that are... I would assume that they don't restrict who can go. I don't know. It's it's not a concept that I'm really all that familiar with, to be honest with you. Uh, but if it eventually leads to a Division One program, fantastic. I mean, I think it's fantastic anyway. It's in Tennessee, and hockey is getting a, a, a bigger foothold there. Uh, and the Nashville Predators deserve uh, some credit for helping this process. So good on them. I don't see any downside. Basically, it sounds like an opportunity for something I can use as a learning experience for myself and maybe... Some of uh, the audience would benefit from a discussion about that as well. Well, that's it for the news and notes. Uh, this week's guest list, it's short. Uh, two guests this week, and it's July, so we're, we're probably going to be, that's probably what you should expect uh, for the uh, remaining shows here of Season 18. Uh, but two good guests. I think you're going to enjoy the conversations a lot. Up first is Daryl Wolski, who is a uh, family advisor. He works for College Hockey Family Advisor. And I wanted to have him on the show because I know he 
has a focus with uh, some of the independent leagues that are in the United States, like the USPHL and the NCDC. Well, with the BCHL doing what they're doing and uh, heavy rumors that the CCHL in Ontario is about to join suit in leaving Hockey Canada, the umbrella, and going independent, we've got the NAHL adding three teams. The, the, the landscape of junior hockey in North America is really changing. So I wanted to get a family advisor on the show to sort of look at what it means for players and for families and what sort of questions he's being asked. And do other leagues have some concerns or thoughts on the whole process as well? Uh, so Daryl Wolski is going to uh, lead the show off. And from there, I mentioned the Winnipeg Ice are now the Wenatchee Wild. They get the Winnipeg Ice roster, but the staff will be pretty much the BCHL's Wenatchee Wild team, including general manager Bliss Littler, who is on the show this week, talk about that process and how quickly it happened that discussions of Winnipeg being for sale and eventually being sold is like a week, slightly more than a week. It happened really quickly. So uh, Bliss is going to tell us all about that and uh, what's the focus now. And uh, they did take the two players in the import draft, but training camp opens up at the end of August. Lots of work still to be done in between then and now. And what is the focus of the team going into year one in Wenatchee. Lots to talk about there with Bliss Littler. So let's get right to it. We'll kick off the show with Daryl Wolski from CHFA. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hi, I'm Quentin Musty from the Sudbury Wolves. For David going into the new circle, trailing Musty high slot, lets it fly, he scores! Quentin Musty, second of the game, a 2-0 Wolves. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my. Okay, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we begin this week's episode with a, uh, well, the discussion about the changing landscape of junior hockey in North America. There's uh, lots of changes here over the last year or two. Uh, and more on the way shortly, as I'm uh, pleased to be joined uh, by a college hockey family advisor, Daryl Wolski. Uh, Daryl, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Well, glad to make my second appearance. Thanks for thanks for having me on today. Well, I and I know it's a it's a big day for for you and some of your clients, and uh, one in particular, former Moose Jaw Warrior Tristan Langan, getting a new deal. Yeah, he signed uh, signed just an hour ago. Signed his first European contract. He's going to. A place called Stavanger, uh, Stavanger in Norway. Stavanger is kind of like the uh, the New England Patriots of Norwegian hockey, and uh, <laughs> uh, Edmonton. Peter Quinville plays for the place for Storhammer, which is the uh, it's kind of like Manchester United versus Man City. It's kind of that thing, and those are the two powerhouses in Norway hockey. And, right. and uh, so for Tristan, he also has a chance now to play in the Champions League. So. Champions League is not a thing that's really talked about in North America, but 
uh, in, in European hockey, the Champions League is a big deal. Well, that's exciting for sure. Beautiful place in the world to, to go and play some professional hockey and uh, earn a living doing what you love. Uh, so, awesome. Congratulations uh, to Tristan Lang and, uh, and his family. Uh, well, Daryl, I wanted to get you on the show to uh, talk about what I was just mentioning, the, the, how things have changed, the, the landscape really changing in North America uh, when it comes to junior hockey with uh, the BCHL now going independent, rumors that uh, another league in Ontario is go- about to follow suit. Uh, I know you follow closely with the NCDC in the United States, and uh, I think you, you were telling me there's like a completely new division uh, popping up uh, for that league. So lots is going on. What and I imagine because you speak with players and, and parents all the time, what's the, the the most frequent questions you're getting about all of these changes? They all want to play tier two. Don't want to play three. They don't want to be there. They 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 will play there for a year, and then they hope to move on to what's known as tier two hockey. So now tier two has taken a lot of changes, a lot of faces in Tier 2 hockey this year, um, you know, starting off with the NCDC in the States. So the NCDC is a newer Tier 2 league in the States, and now what the NCDC has done is in what they call the Mountain Division, which is places like Ogden, uh, Provo, Utah, uh, those places like that, they've now formed a new conference, which is kind of like NCDC West, because hmm. uh, in the past, the NCDC East has been obviously all – the Boston, New England, those kind of areas, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, those uh, you know those kind of areas. So now they've added they've added a, like seven new teams, including Wyoming, into NCBC West. So now the good thing about that is, so adding seven more teams times say, for argument of sake, say twenty five players, that's another hundred and fifty to hundred seventy five players that now can play tier two hockey instead of playing tier three hockey. And, he, and here's a, also another big thing in the United States is uh, Canada is a different story, but in the United States, when you play in the NAHL or USHL or NCDC, those are no not considered pay-to-play. And you hear that terminology a lot right. in Canada. Like, you know, you know, like say, for example, you play for the Selkirk Steelers in the MJHL, it's seven or $8,000. You play for the Winnipeg Freezer Blues in Winnipeg. It's, you know, depending on how old you are, it's anywhere from 8000 to $12,000 a year. So that's the beauty of, of those leagues that you don't pay to play in those leagues. So adding the NCDC, those teams, that adds more tier two opportunities and therefore, hopefully, uh, I guess it's yet to be seen, some NCAA exposure to those players. So then, you know, when you come north of the border, you know, the CCHL in Ontario are going to leave Hockey Canada, which is, you know, being pretty highly talked about. And of course, the BCHL now left Hockey Canada. And that's you know, I was at the NHL draft last week, and I talked to Western Hockey League guys in there with there. And there's there's a lot of concerns from the Western Hockey League level about what BC has done because now, uh, say they have a couple guys playing Penticton or Vernon or whatever Salmon Arm, well now they can't call them up. I mean, what are the pros and cons of the BCHL doing what they're doing from your perspective as a, as a family advisor? Well, as a family advisor, for me, there's really no negatives but i mean from a from an operational standpoint i know you know take it from me i i operate hockey terms and hockey leagues and you know like for example tonight my pro hockey league starts and referees like i said before referees are like polar bears they're just dying off hmm. so now the bchl has kind of put a crew together of referees so every night so say on a friday night you got nine games well you have to find four referees per game 36 36 qualified officials 
to do a, a set of games. Now, the thing is, those BCHL refs, they can't do any other league. Like, they can't do CSSHL. They can't do U Sports. They can't do, you know, U16, U18, U17. They can't do anything. So now the BCHL has got to go out and find, and I, it's something that isn't really talked about, you know, you, A, you've got to find those refs that are only going to do those. Because you got to think about referees are guys that are, you know, 25 to 45-year-old guys. It's like a side job. It's like doing Uber when you go on the side. But I mean, now you've taken away the, the capability of those guys doing like the Max Midget Tournament or the John Reed or, you know, all those kind of things that are, you know, these guys make quite a bit of money. And only hockey down, those referees can't be part of Also the same for the players, too, in the BCHL. They can't represent Canada at the World Junior A Challenge or at the, the Centennial Cup or any Hockey Canada events, right? And that's that's got to be, uh, you know, for some high-profile players that are in that league, that's got to be disappointing. Well, I think when you go to the Centennial Cup part of things, so, so like, you know, this year, obviously, they weren't able to go to Portage uh, and be in the Centennial Cup. I don't know if that was really a big deal for those teams. I think, I think the more the Hockey Canada part, like being able to play, you know, at the World Junior Challenge is more of a big deal. I don't know if the Centennial Cup is really a, a big loss for those guys personally. Um, you know, I, I was at the Centennial Cup this year, and there, you know, there wasn't a truckload of scouts, a truckload of, you know, I, I saw one guy from the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I mean, I didn't see a whole bunch of guys there because I think at the end of the day, people knew what was ultimately going to happen, and that was, you know, Brooks, yeah. you know, killing people. You know, they, they like the poor Timmons team, I walked in the third period, it was 7 nothing, and it's, they're starting the third period, and they're like, oh, my God, what's this game going to finish up? They finished 9 or 10 nothing, or it was. But, you know, my point is, like, Brooks is a powerhouse, and some of those AJHL teams are just powerhouses. And teams like in Nassau, Saskatchewan, and, you know, the NOJ and SIJ, they just have no chance. All right, I know as a fan, just uh, not getting to see Penticton and Brooks play for the national championship, uh, I mean, that's a loss for just for hockey fans. For sure. It's like the NCAA. People want to watch North Dakota play Minnesota. Yeah. People want to watch Minnesota yeah. play Denver, you know, or whatever it is. They don't necessarily want to watch, like, Quinnipiac versus Ohio State, you know? <laughs> I mean, I had nothing against those programs, but they're not – and it's no different than the NHL. Like, I don't think – from I don't think the NHL is really overly happy with Florida Vegas final from a TV marketing standpoint, right? I mean, so, you know, the, the, they'd rather have the Blackhawks in their Leafs and their Boston. And so, same thing. You're right. Like, if you can have Ken Tickton playing Brooks, well, now you've got two of the powerhouses in the country going head to head, and then you find it, then you get a true national champion. But the way things are going, uh, I don't, you know, if the CCHL goes, you know, you can be sure that the Alberta Junior Hockey League, I've never heard this, but you've got to, got to be thinking the Alberta Junior Hockey League's one. I think we should maybe consider this idea, too, leaving Hockey Canada. So you think it could be just uh, BCHL's the first domino? I mean, there's, as you mentioned, there's lots of talk now about the CCHL, and, and you think if that's just sort of the tipping of the iceberg? Well, here's another thing, too, that people maybe don't know or understand is the NHL development money. So, you know, this year, like, I sat by, I sat beside the Nadeau family there, and the kid went 30th or 31st overall. Right. And so, you know, for the, for the BCHL, that's a good day because I'm not 100% sure. My, my, my development numbers are maybe a little bit old, minor, like back to the Scott Glennie era and, and, and his draft in Montreal. But 
you know, I think that the development money for a first-round pick is at least $75,000. Now, for an NHL team, that's chump change. But for a, for a junior team like like the Nipah Natives or Melville Millionaires or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, for you know, Black Falls or any of those teams, that's big money if they can get part of that money. And so I think that was one of the main reasons why the BCHL said, hey, you know what, we're getting draft picks every year whether the first, second, third round draft picks, that development money is going to the CJHL. And it wasn't very reciprocal. And what I mean by that is, you know, the CCHL or the OJ or the MJ or SJHL, they, they might have had the odd draft pick, like the MJHL had some sixth or seventh round picks this year. But, you know, overall, what I'm saying is it was probably fairly one-sided agreement because the BCHL was just funneling money into the CJHL. And the money is getting spread amongst all the members of the league. And, you know, so they thought to themselves, well, let's, we might as well keep the money internal. Let's have the money come to the league and have it spread evenly amongst their members, their 20 members, instead of going over to the 110 members across the CJHL. Yeah, no, well, that makes sense, too, financially, for uh, for the league to do that. Now, uh, okay, so we're, we see the BCHL is now separate from Hockey Canada, independent, completely independent. So we're kind of looking at them from our perspective like as if we would the USHL or the NHL. The one difference is those two American leagues are sanctioned by USA Hockey, correct? So there is still that difference. But I don't know the sanctioning if it really means anything. And, and, and I mean, the NCDC, for example, is not part of USA Hockey. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I, the, those NCAA teams, when they're looking at players, I don't think they care if they play in Kazakhstan or Latvia or if they play in Brandon, Manitoba. I don't, I don't think they care where those players are at, if they're in a sanctioned league or not sanctioned league. As long as they can play and contribute at that college, like, you know, like, I, I, I won't say the teams. I talked to two teams about that this week, at last week at the draft, and that's exactly what they said, Daryl. We don't care if the league's sanctioned or not sanctioned. That's, that's irrelevant. To me. It, it really, it, I, I think that, that there's been a lot of emphasis put on that. Well, I, I, I get it. Like, say, for example, if you're um, a Kyle Tourist, for example, and and you want to play for play for the World Juniors, and now you can't. Well, I guess that's an issue. But realistically, how many you know you how many tier two players are are you know are going to play at the World Junior level? Um, one or two every year, maybe one. You know, like you're you're not going to see many guys when when you see predominantly ninety percent of them are first round draft picks, and they're from the Western Hockey League, the O or the Q. So your chance of playing for the World Junior team. And a prominent role isn't probably very high. Well, you just mentioned Bradley Nadeau, and uh, maybe not this coming year, but as a 19-year-old, potentially he could be in the running for uh, for the national team. Um, but I wonder if, because he was drafted out of the BCHL and that's where he played, if that would preclude that possibility for him, or if because he's going to be at Maine uh, by then, if if that will sort of make him eligible again. Uh, like I mean, Matthew Wood played. Uh, with uh, Hockey Canada, but he was at uh, Connecticut. I don't know. It just seems like it's a, a bit of a gray area to me. Well, and I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these rules, like like the Hockey Canada things, that I think that everybody's scratching their head. You know, I think everybody, and you hear all the other rumors in BC that they're going to form a secondary BCHL league, which would mean they would take some of the junior B teams from the KIJHL and some of the lower end BCHL teams. Um, you know, the teams that don't have the budgets of Vernon's and Penticton's and those teams, and, and maybe three or four of the lower-end BCHL teams, and form a new sanctioned 
hockey can abuse the HL. Like that's still being talked about. Hasn't I don't think there's a lot of merit to it at this point. Um, but I think that's being talked about as well. Would that alleviate the concern from those WHL teams that uh, that you spoke with, or the, those people from the WHL who had that as a concern that they didn't have a place to send players if uh, if they weren't on their active roster? Well, there they go. You can send them to those places, right? Then they can all of a sudden, and now it's a Hockey Canada sanctioned league, right? Won't be won't be maybe the same quality as the new BCHL. I don't know how to call it which, which <laughs> BCHL how to categorize it. But say you know, I'll say you know, the Western Hockey League right now has got to be going okay. Well, we can put guys in the KIJHL or the AJHL or CSSHL, and 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 but now that brings up another issue for the BCHLs. They kind of have to adopt now an NFL format, and what I mean by that is like the Minnesota Vikings have a practice roster. Well, that's kind of what the BCHL is going to have to do now. They're going to have to have bigger rosters because you know, what, if you have injuries and stuff that happens, so all of a sudden you get, you know, you look at the Vegas Gold Knights goaltending situation over the last years and how they've gone through so many goalies. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be able, they're going to have a practice. And, uh, and now that's, now there's the new league, the JPHL, yep. which will be kind of a farm system now for the BCHL. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, and, and how this all comes together in the next 60 days, 75 days, I have no idea. And it could evolve, it could take even longer for it to all evolve. It might be a two, three year thing before we really start to see how, how things look after the dust has settled, right? I mean, a lot of this, as you said, a lot of moving parts, it could take a while. Well, to, to add to the rumor mill, now in California, um, Kilo Solani and Anita Myers and these different guys, that's right. Uh, or I've been talking about doing a new Junior A League that's going to compete with the USHL. That was supposed to materialize this year. There's been no talk of it really over the last few months. Uh, but I do get phone calls and emails from them saying, hey, you know, you think you can upload players, bring us on and on. I mean, you know, of course we can provide players if it's going to be a decent league and obviously going to have NHL ownership like like when guys like Solani involved and Niedermeyer and Luke Levitine, those kind of guys are involved and you know, so of course, you know, that'd be another thing, but that hasn't really materialized at this stage yet either. But yeah, the, the whole junior hockey landscape, is, like I've always said, and it's no different than NHL. Some people can probably will disagree with this, but there's probably too many teams and the talent pool is so diverse now and spread out. And, you know, obviously when I'm, I'm not beating up on Penn Tech team because they're obviously a powerhouse team, but you know, those guys, they can sit there and they can grab any player. And now they have the capability to grab two Europeans. Yeah. And all of a sudden they can grab a top end from Sweden or Finland or uh, Switzerland, which they couldn't do before. Now they can add a really interesting aspect to the team. Maybe they can grab a six foot seven Slovakian goalie, you know, and whatever. So now those teams can become even stronger by adding two, two top end Euros. You know, I read about that California League. I, I think I caught that in the hockey news and had Ryan Kennedy on to, to talk about that, which is pretty interesting. And with this new Western Conference or division for the NCDC, it seems like there there's an, uh, an effort being made to try to get to the um, U.S. Southwest and to the, uh, to the West Coast. Uh, and I have always thought the USHL or the WHL or, or whoever needed to try to exploit that area more because I think the players are there. Uh, but you have to, if you can't get the players to come to you, you almost have to go to the players. Does that make sense? It does. And also to back up a little bit, there was in the summer last year, 
uh, or not last year, but like four or five months ago, there was talk that the BCHL would become a northern, the BCHL would become a northern division for the USHL. That, that, that was talked about and it didn't materialize at all, but of course that was talked about. But you're right, like places like, I've been to Provo, I've been to Coeur d'Alene, I've been to those places. And, and even when, now they had, those teams had division, like Ogden too, they had two or three hockey teams last year. And they're still bringing in 1,500, 2,000 people a night. Hmm. Like the soccer Steelers, the soccer Steelers last year had a free hockey night and only had 900 people come and it was free. So, I mean, these guys at tier three have obviously they've created a marketing, they've created people that are in the community that are involved with it. And now, when now that they're going to tier two, those teams are going to, those teams are going to flourish. You know, they're going to, they're going to bring in better talent, better, better games. And they're going to have more, you know, all of a sudden, Provo's going to play Utah. So, of course, those two teams are going to hate each other. Or Ogden's going to play the, the team in Wyoming. It's called Rock Springs or something. There's so many new teams I've lost track. Um, you know what I mean? So, those, those things are going to happen. And then I, I'm not really sure the MCDC is going to do for the national championship. I'm assuming a team from the West and a team from the East will play in the finals. Right. Or maybe they'll do it the, what they'll do what the NAHL does and everybody comes to Minneapolis. And they play a, a final four, what they do for the NHL. So that could happen. Well, Daryl, this has been terrific. Uh, lots of information, lots to digest. Uh, if uh, if players or or parents or or whoever have questions, how do they get in touch with you? Well, we, we can always go to our website, which is chfahockey.com. Uh, just call it hockeyfamilyadvisor.com. And uh, or I'm, I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm easy to find on Twitter at two one one two hockey. Um, I'm not a hard guy to find, and so people do have questions, and I know it's a confusing, confusing for me, and I do this. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine for the parents on the sidelines, especially, I've been bombarded with calls and emails from Hungary and Slovakia and a lot of Eastern European countries and Lithuania and a lot of Latvian questions. Like they, they're, you know, hey, can we go play in the BCHL now? Yeah, you can. Well, really? And I've then I've had questions from I've had Russian people ask. And the people from Belarus and they can't play in the BCHL. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I feel like I'm the bad guy. I feel like I'm Donald Trump explaining why they can't be there. And, um, but anyways, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very confusing format and, and path right now. And like I said, even for people like myself or, you know, whoever's, whoever's in the hockey business, 24 hours a day, it's, it's difficult to try and map everything out. Well, that's why I wanted to get you on and you uh, provided some clarity. Uh, Daryl, appreciate your time. Let's do it again. All right, sounds good. Thank you so much. Here's Daryl Wolski from College Hockey Family Advisor. Uh, if you have questions about everything that we've just talked about in that last segment, or if you're a player or there's a player in your family and you have some questions about what is going on, a uh, good guy to get in contact with. You can track him down on the old Twitter machine. The other guest this week is the general manager of the Wenatchee Wild. Used to be in the BCHL, now the newest franchise in the Western Hockey League. His name is Bliss Littler. We're going to hear all about the transition uh, going from the BCHL to the dub, what it means for the players. I know he's got coaching staff uh, still to be finalized. Lots of work to be done before training camp opens at the end of August. And then what direction do the Wild want to take in year one? We'll find out next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, I'm Matthew Wood, part of the University of Connecticut. Power play is over. 
teams are five aside. Sent out front. Score! The freshman, Matthew Wood, and UConn has finally dented the brick wall that is Jakob Dobush. I'm here with the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Score. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and boom goes the dynamite. It's the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. As we close out this week's episode, we are going to talk about the newest franchise in the Western Hockey League. But a reminder: the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. Uh, speaking of the West, well, one team traveling from the West, going from Winnipeg to Wenatchee, Washington, as the uh, Winnipeg Ice bought and sold. Uh, and uh, on the way to Wenatchee, Washington, uh, they are now the Wenatchee Wild. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because it used to be a BCHL franchise. Well, now it's a WHL team. Uh, some of the uh, the players will know from Winnipeg, but some of the staff will know from Wenatchee, including the general manager, that is Bliss Littler, who joins me now. Bliss, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? You know, good, Gabe, um, real good. Real excited to be here and uh, real excited to to move to the Western Hockey League. Well, there's lots to talk about, but I guess we have to start with how you got involved with the WHL the franchise. And when I say you, I mean you and ownership. I mean, you're coming from the BCHL with the owner uh, and some of the staff. But how did the WHL come onto your radar? Well, I, I think probably one of the first months during during COVID, I went over to meet with Bobby Brett and Mark Miles uh, over in Spokane. And then the next week I went over and I met with Bob Torrey with Tri-City Americans. And we were just all talking. We, we know each other. Um, I've always known their coaches. And, you know, we were a little bored at the time and said, why don't you come over and, you know, we can – compare budgets and see what we can do better. Um, we can learn from each other. And as we started going through budgets, boy, I realized that where we're at in, in the BCHL, now I think Wenatchee is one of the very few teams that, that pays for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, the, the budgets weren't, uh, weren't that different. And then, you know, we get to the fall and the borders closed. You know, we started asking the American teams if they could send their American players up to Coeur d'Alene and we could practice, play some games, that kind of stuff. And just started developing a relationship there. And I think at that time, the Western League, you know, they took another look and they where we're located. Mm-hmm. And we're, I mean, we're really right in the middle of the state. And, you know, a little over two hours to Tri-City, two and a half to Spokane, 2.15 to Everett, two and a half to Kent a little over four hours to uh, Portland, a little over four hours to Kelowna, a little over four hours to 
Vancouver. So I, I kind of think that at sometime in there, people started to think that, hey, you know what, Wenatchee might be a good fit. Um, but then there is nothing. Really, this came together um, early June. It, it didn't take long. It was a week to eight days, and I think the whole thing was done. Wow. Uh, I think they looked at us as a pretty turnkey organization that you could tell the players to re- report in the fall, and um, we'd make some staff uh, adjustments on the on the coaching side, and we'd have to put a, a different scouting staff in place. But the uh, the business, the billets, um, the building – I think all that stuff was, it's, it's ready to go. It's pretty turnkey and, um, to go with, uh, really, I think they really like David White, the owner. Um, again, I think he's got a reputation that, uh, he does things right. The players are treated right, treats his staff outstanding and, um, just wants a, a very high standard of, of how he does things. So I think that's one of the things that, that the league really liked and, and also they had like our location and we're just, we're ready to, to put a team there. And, um, I think it was, it was a pretty easy fit for them. Well, I would have to think uh, when the, the owner is sort of weighing his options, uh, he's obviously got some interest. I'm sure he, he talks to you and, and gets your opinion. And, and I don't know if you actually write out a list of pros and cons, but you're a very successful franchise in the BCHL. The only uh, located team outside of Canada. I'm assuming there's probably challenges that have to go with that, but was it just automatically, yes, we got to do this. It's uh, there's, there's no downside. Or was there some, some concerns one way or the other that eventually you decided, yes, it's worth it. But did you have any thoughts of, uh, of maybe not doing it? Um, I don't think so. I, I think that when Atchie's had a junior team for 15 years, the first seven were in the North American Hockey League. Mm-hmm. In every place that the closest team was Minot, North Dakota, which I think is over 1,100 miles away. <laughs> so everything was a flight. What would happen is we'd fly out Wednesday, practice Thursday, play Friday, Saturday, bus to the next city Sunday, practice Monday through Thursday, play Friday, Saturday, and then fly home. And then we had to fly all the teams. We'd have to fly all the teams to Seattle, pick them up, ground transportation, uh, pay for their hotel, wow. pay for their food. Um, and the ownership did that for seven years. And it, it just it doesn't make sense to, to be flying when you in, in junior hockey. So the BCHL was a much better fit. Um, but what we, one thing Wenatchee's never had, they've never really had rivalries with, for our fans. Right. That we're far enough away, even though Penticton is, 160 miles it's still three and a half to four hours when you get through the border this and that and, you know our our youth hockey our kids grow up playing the spokane chiefs the tri-city americans the seattle thunderbirds i mean so our kids grow up playing those organizations and th- and then at night they go to the the whl game so it was the first time we felt that we're going to have rivals that our fans will, will travel to these places that uh, their fans hopefully will travel to Wenatchee. So I think when we looked at it that way, um, we looked at at getting a franchise that uh, I don't think there's any secret the Western Hockey League was is not looking for expansion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, these teams don't come, you know, they're they're not for sale or or they're going to move uh, very often. So you know, we David White looked at it and said, hey, this is this for the next twenty or so years. Um, they then hand it off to 
you know, whoever it's going to be. But, you know, David is, I think he's 58 and um, I'm 57. So we thought this is the right time to do it. Offer's too good. We got to do it and we'll figure it out from, you know, once we get this thing done. Bliss Littler is the general manager of the Wenatchee Wild, newest franchise here in the uh, Western Hockey League. Uh, any coincidence at all that the, you know, the BCHL has gone the direction that they've gone, leaving uh, Hockey Canada, going completely independent? Is there anything to do with that? Or, you know, if this deal hadn't come through, would you have just continued on as you were with the BCHL? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would have continued on. I mean, obviously, we'd prefer to stay um, with USA Hockey. Uh, be You know, going independent in Canada, you have to, we'd be not part of USA Hockey. And mm-hmm. I've spent my, my whole career uh, dealing with USA Hockey, and I've been fortunate to work on several national teams and, uh, I'm very proud of USA Hockey. Those guys in Colorado Springs at the national office, the, for the most part, they're they're my friends. And but they knew that there's what are you going to do? They said the the only option is to go play in the Western Hockey League. And I don't think they ever thought that was a possibility. Right? But, uh, yeah, you know, no, that's that's you know, that's just what that's a deal that happened. And and hopefully, hopefully everything sooner than later gets worked out. And the BCHL is back in, in Hockey Canada, that they work out a deal and, and things work out well for everybody. Well, you mentioned the geography in, in Washington State, and just it's just a perfect fit where you're located as a sort of a hub uh, for everybody else that's in the league, uh, or in that division, rather. Population-wise, I'm told, I've heard numbers that it's like 35, almost 40,000 people in Wenatchee, but the surrounding market is more like 100,000 people. Uh, what what size of a, a uh, a ticket buying base do you actually uh, count on or consider? Well, the the beautiful Columbia River separates Wenatchee and East Wenatchee. In between the two cities, there's about sixty thousand, and within twenty miles direction, there's between one hundred and ten and one hundred and twenty thousand people. All right, well, that seems like a, a a sizable market there that you can tap into. Uh, you, you're the building that you play in, the Town Toyota, is it Center? Town Toyota Center? Yeah, Town Toyota Center. 4,300 uh, people, I believe, is capacity. What are you expecting, or what have you been used to uh, uh, thus far, and do you expect it to change now that it's the WHL as, as opposed to the BCHL or the uh, or the NOL? Well, uh, we hope it increases. Um, I know everything else in the budgets will, will definitely increase. Hmm. Um, but coming out of, coming out of COVID, uh, last year we averaged uh, right around 2,600. Um, you know, I would, I would like to think that we'll move that up to 28 or 3000, trying to be very modest with our, with our projections. Right. Um, but I, I do know that, uh, all the suites are sold right now. Um, our low seats are all sold where we have 26 suites in, if that's an indication, um, I think that's a pretty good sign. We've in the first eight days, uh, after this announcement, we did sell, an additional 200 new season tickets. So, again, we, we think it's 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 going to definitely improve attendance, um, especially with teams that are in state. Um, that that were, I mean, shoot, Tri City and Spokane. There's there's no mountain pass. It's 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 an easy drive, and definitely when you look at at some of the statistics when the in state teams play each other, how much their attendance goes up. Uh, you know, we think we'll we'll also uh, benefit from that. Uh, where are you at with your uh, coaching staff? I know Chris Clark is uh, continuing on uh, with uh, his 
a role from uh, the BCHL team that you had uh, now in the WHL. Uh, what else do you have on the bench? Hopefully we'll be naming a, a head coach early next week. Um, and once he's hired, him and Chris, they'll have a decent amount of input on hiring a, an, an additional assistant coach. Okay, terrific. All right, well, that brings us to your roster. Now, the Winnipeg Ice got to the league final last year against the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, and pretty much returning, or at least capable of returning, just about everybody uh, from that uh, that team, or at least the ability to. You'll be able to pick and choose sort of your 20-year-olds, but uh, outside of uh, Ben Zlotti, Owen Peterson, and Connor McLennan, who age out, uh, and Carson Lambos, who signed, probably not expecting him, or Zach Stopchuk, uh, outside of that, I mean, you're going to have to cut down because of the, there was a lot of 2003 born players and you can only have three of them. Uh, but you got some drafted players on this team who are eligible to come back. You have the option. There's a couple of directions that you could go. You're going to be very competitive just based on the names uh, that are coming back or can come back. Uh, but the cupboards are kind of bare in terms of draft picks for the next few years. Yeah. So what are your plans for the, for this coming season? Is this a season where you want to compete and get into the playoffs and, g- try to go on another run or are you looking beyond this coming year? Well, I, I think we need to, to bring everybody into camp and to, to find out uh, who's going to be here. Um, again, the, the kids, you definitely hope that, uh, you know, at some point a lot of these guys are going to see their dream come true of playing in the national hockey league. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the, the three uh, Savoy and geeky Benson, you know, the, the, the three first rounders that, um, two are old fours and one's an old five. You'd, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to have, get a look at camp. Um, maybe they have a great camp and they're not back, but hmm. all three of those guys are back. Um, then you'll, you'll definitely have some decisions to make once we get going that, uh, there are no draft picks in the first six rounds next year. There's <laughs> one in the first six round the year after and none in the first six rounds the year after. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to find some kids that are committed to college and get them to flip. Uh, no doubt about that. We're going to have to find some kids that um, maybe are, are a little bit late bloomers, but we're going to have to, we have some work cut out for us there, but no doubt we have a good group that potentially that'll show up in, uh, in Wenatchee and we'll have to take it uh, a week at a time and um, look at what's there first before we, we make any decisions in, in, which way we're going to go, but I, I would de- I would definitely think that we'll we'll do everything we can to to put the best team on the ice that we can right now, and um, at uh, at some point um, you, we'll have to figure out how to try recruit some of those draft picks that uh, that had to be had to be used to to put that roster together the last couple of years. Really interesting when you have to. You're almost uh, taking the opposite route that you did when you were uh, when the Wenatchee Wild were uh, a team in the NAHL and the BCHL, where you're you're trying to get players who want to go to college because that's the path. And now you're going the opposite <laughs> direction. You're trying to flip those guys. Do you think you're at an advantage because you know all the ins and outs of going the college route that you can kind of pick apart and uh, have a different conversation with some of those uh, potential uh, players? Well. Um... Again, I think the the GMs and the the hockey people in the Western Hockey League are very astute people. <laughs> that uh, I think they know the ins and outs as well as the college people know them. And um, but you know, no doubt, I I think that 
it de- it definitely doesn't hurt to know that the the U.S. talent pool, um, the way my staff has, where you know the last really the last twenty years, it's it's either been the USHL a little bit of North American League and the BCHL. So mm-hmm. you're used to dealing with all those college college people and um, the agents, and so we'll see. But we, yeah, that's that'll be a little different trying to to get a kid to look look at uh you know his hockey life a little bit differently that's what we'll do and i'll be clear i mean i i'm a big college hockey fan as well i have lots of college ncaa content on this program and with bchl and the alberta junior hockey league and the ushl so this is not a chl specific uh, type of show but i know that there are players who go the chl route who you who i watch and i think yeah he probably Needs a longer runway, as uh, one person I spoke with uh, recently put it, uh, and and the flip as well, where I see guys going college and they're they're one year and done, and you think, oh, why bother? That guy probably should have went to the CHL. Uh, so I can see it from both perspectives for sure. And I should mention, your son was uh, drafted by the Edmonton Oil Kings. I know you were in town uh, with uh, with Cade what two three summers ago, maybe uh, yeah. after the year he was drafted, and he went to the camp and. Uh, his rights were eventually traded to the Tri-City Americans. I know he's uh, scheduled to go to North Dakota. I guess I have to ask, now that you're in the WHL, do you try to get Cade's rights from uh, Tri-City, or is he content going on to uh, play for the Fighting Hawks? You know, you just mentioned you described Cade perfectly. That, uh, you know, Cade grew up, we 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 left Omaha when he was six. Um, we got out here, so he played most of his youth hockey in uh, in Wenatchee. And even though the, the youth hockey's getting better, um, he needs a longer runway. Uh, he's had two big growth, uh, growth spurts that he he needs that extra <clears throat> another year of junior hockey. Um, he needs two three years of college hockey if he's going to have a chance. And um, for him, that was it's the right decision. Uh, not that I don't think I think if he would have gone to the Western Hockey League instead of being a seventh round pick, he might have been a third or a fourth round pick. Hmm. Um, but you know that's just that's just how it is. But he he needs a he needs a longer runway, and I don't anticipate uh, that Bob Torrey's going to trade him uh, <laughs> to us, and I don't anticipate he's going to change his mind um, about going to North Dakota. So Bliss, what's the what's the next few steps for you? I know you're co- head coach next week and round out the coaching staff after that. I mean, how much contact have you had with players, uh, Winnipeg Ice players, who you're trying to make sure that they're content and and come over to uh, Wenatchee with you? Where are you at in all of that process? Okay, well, like I told you, is hopefully we have the the head coach. We hopefully we we have that done early next week. Immediately from there. Uh, him and uh, Coach Clark, they'll have some input on on the assistant coach, myself and uh, Lee Mendelson, starting. Uh, I guess this weekend he's up in uh, in Red Deer, um, watching. I believe the '08s up there. So um, it's it's starting to starting to re- uh, scout, recruit, and starting to build our our scouting staff, um, which is something that is way different than what we've done in the past. Right. Uh, we just haven't had many Canadians on our team. So this is something there's, there, there definitely hasn't been any shortage of people re- um, reaching out to send a resume to be part of that, that staff. So it'll be building that, um, staying on the equipment in Jersey people to make sure that 
that turnaround, it's, it's awful tight, but get everything in so everything's here when the players get to camp. Uh, as far as uh, talking to the the veteran players, I, as soon as I got that list, um, I got it about 5 o'clock and by 5.30 uh, that first night I was on the phone and reached out to all the veteran players and, and the next few days reached out to the signed players and then got through all the listed players and nice. tried to welcome them and, and uh, let them know that my, myself and staff that we'll be in touch and let them know when camp's coming up and uh, just that kind of stuff. And the reception's been great. It's, it's been great. Obviously, Winnipeg, they did a, a really nice job uh, creating a, a real good culture in their in their locker room. They did a great job there because it, it, it feels like this group, they're a very tight-knit group, and uh, they like each other. Well, and I should mention there, there was a draft this uh, this week, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, where you picked up a couple of new players, uh, at least the rights to them. Uh, Kenta Isogai, who's uh, from Japan, but has played in the USHL with the Youngstown Phantoms for the last three years, uh, and uh, Rogers Bukarts. Uh, Bukarts is a familiar name to the Western Hockey League. I'm not sure if he's related uh, to uh, Rehard Bukarts, who played with the Brandon Weekings. But Rogers is uh, from Latvia. Oh, how much did you know about these two players? Because I don't imagine he had a whole lot of time to scout them uh, as uh, as things with the sale happen so quickly. But uh, what can you tell me about these two players and, and how they came in, into the picture for you? Well, I, I did actually get to see Kenta. My, my, my boy went over, and when our season was done, he played with Cedar Rapids in the USHL, and they played in the playoffs. Uh, they had Youngstown. So um, I did get to see Youngstown play a little bit. And, okay. Uh, basically we had a couple of agents that had reached out just like they do with everybody else and give you a list of players and myself and coach Clark, Lee Mendelson, they did a lot of watching tape and, uh, you know, went through a, a list of about, we probably had 40, 45 guys that, uh, we liked that we were told that, uh, most likely they would come. I, I guess you never, you never know until they get here. Right. So um, with Kenta, again, you know, a smaller, skilled, um, lots of speed. Uh, you know, he's, he's been around for three years, played in that league. Uh, I think he'll, again, I think both these guys are are probably middle six forwards. And Rogers, yeah, that's his brother did play in Brandon. Okay. Uh, and he was just, uh, just looked at on tape, and um, we did get to have a Zoom call and, and – Kid said that he'd like to be in the CHL, would love to come to the Western Hockey League, and uh, told the city he'd come. Um, and so we're fortunate that, at least on our list, um, those are two of the guys that we wanted, so so we're happy with that. Outstanding. Well, I guess, Camp, uh, I guess you're going to get to enjoy a little bit of a summer holiday between now and the start of Camp, which is what, probably very end of uh, August into Labor Day weekend? Yes. Players will come in the 30th and get going on the 31st. All right. Lastly, just uh, interested about the uh, the team logo and the jerseys and everything. Pretty much what you had the last few years uh, in the BCHL, or are you making any tweaks to it? Um, the the uh, the jersey will be Winnipeg's jersey with our, with our colors um, and our logo. Just there is no way to get that uh, with the deal that's in place with the league. Um, there's just there's no way to change the style uh, and have it done in time. Okay. So, but for 
you know, we'd, we'd, we'd worn the same Jersey, um, the same style, I think for three years. So, um, it'll be new for our fans. Uh, and then at the, the next time around, they'll, they'll probably be tweaked a little bit, but, um, but yeah, same, same logos, same colors, uh, just a different style Jersey. Perfect. Well, bliss, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you making time like this, uh, Best of luck throughout the summer, and uh, geez, we will see the Wenatchee Wild. I guess it's not until the end of the year uh, when you guys come up to Edmonton, but uh, looking forward to it. Okay. Thank you, Guy. There is Bliss Littler, the general manager of the WHL's newest franchise, the relocated Winnipeg Ice, now the Wenatchee Wild. And I, I am really intrigued. I don't know which way they're going to go whether they're going to try to be competitive out of the gate and kind of build that fan base that way, or if uh, they look long-term and think, we got to build for year two and three and four and beyond. We've got these valuable assets that uh, you know, they're only going to be here for one more year for this coming 2023-24 season, and then they're gone. Guys like Geeky and Savoy and maybe even Zach Benson. Graham Sward on the back end. they got two goaltenders. One of them drafted Mason Bopit. He's a 2003, and younger is Adam Hauser, who was their starter. Did I say Adam? I meant Daniel Hauser, of course. So they have options, and I'm intrigued to see which direction the Wenatchee Wild will decide to go. Maybe it's a case where they, let's play two months and see where we are in the standings and make a decision before the deadline on January 10th. Now that's going to do it for this week's show. Just the two guests, a little bit shorter. We, we are in July uh, and as uh, long-time listeners know, July is what I call the off-season. That's it. August is uh, the start of se- the next season of the Pipeline Show. We've got the Ivan Holinka Gretzky Cup, World Junior Camps in the summer, and then uh, training camps open. Uh, so August I do, do not consider to be part of the off-season. Uh, July, the NHL draft is done. This is it. July is the off-season. So what's on tap for next week's episode? Don't know yet. Something you would like me to do in the one month of the offseason? Uh, let me know. You can hit me up on the old Twitter machine at TPS underscore Guy. Uh, what's happening with Twitter? Uh, Long term, I have no idea. So uh, I know a lot of people are seem to be uh, picking up some other social media platforms. I haven't yet. But if you want to recommend one to me, you can do that as well. But otherwise, that's where you can find me. And uh, you can find me at thepipelineshow.com as well, including next week. Until then, everybody, enjoy some summer weather. Get out, stretch your legs, go to the beach, do some camping, do some fishing, just spend some time with your family, whatever you want to do, whatever you like to do in the summer, now's the time to do it. And we can chat next week right here on The Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, and my name is Key Flaming. Till then, everybody, see ya. See ya.